Good evening. So here is our Tuesday night webinar or our podcast, depending on when and what means you're using to listen. Uh, we have a bunch of questions tonight. So we're going to be answering those. Now, last week we talked about dog nutrition and we do have uh, medical vet care stuff that we're going to be talking about in uh, one of the upcoming weeks, but not right now. Uh, but like I said, we do have a bunch of questions. First, I wanted to, as we get people logging onto Facebook, I wanted to share with you some exciting news from yesterday. I went to a new doctor. I had to get established uh, near where we're at. So we went to one of the doctors here in the villages, through the villages healthcare, and I brought Gypsy with me. And I hadn't brought Gypsy to that doctor's office yet, because like I said, it was the first time going. I didn't tell them I had a service dog. I just showed up with my service dog and uh, went and met with the doctor and she was fantastic. And we talked about my medical history and made a plan of action and everything. I actually have an appointment next month to see a cardiologist, which is pretty exciting because I haven't seen one in mm, probably 15 years. So we'll see if there's any new treatments or anything out there for me. Um, but if not, she knows I have Gypsy. She's met Gypsy. And she really liked Gypsy, and it turns out she has a dog herself. So I thought that was pretty nice. You know, you don't want to trust people who don't have dogs. Okay, so we've got friends logging in. Hi, guys. Uh, like I said, we do have a bunch of questions to get to tonight. So if anyone's logging on and they have questions, go ahead and type them in that comment bar, and we'll get to them in between the questions that have been previously submitted. And if you want to submit a question, go ahead and uh, text me, email me, Facebook message me, and I will add it to the list for our next video, okay? Um, on your next webinar, somebody asked, will you please address taking a dog potty on leash? Can you shut my door, Rich, please? Um, taking a dog potty on leash. Archie is a standard poodle. He's six months old and he has been really good about going on demand until just recently. Now he's become distracted by neighbors or cats in the yard next door. He gets that deer in the headlight look and I can't get his attention back when he's outside. I've been trying to get his attention back when he's outside to begin with by stepping in his view of the distraction, but it's not working. So I bring him back in and I kennel him and that works as long as we're at home. But if I'm out with him, that won't be an option. Okay, so this is about taking your dog potty on leash. And we actually just covered this. Uh, Remy went home yesterday, so we showed her family. Uh, and we had a couple other dogs who've gone home recently, and we've shown them. So I'm going to share with you guys how we teach, um, teach your dog to potty on command. Okay, so what we do is in the house here, the dogs are crated or on place or tethered to us. And whenever we take them outside, they have to sit nicely. We put their leash and collar on them. We walk, they have to sit. We open up the crate, we release them. They come through, we walk to the door. They sit and check in with us. We release them and we walk through the door together. Okay, that's how we do. We go out to the yard and we pick a potty spot. Now, Rich and Luke are usually the ones who do this, not me, but uh, they go, they pick a potty spot, plant your feet, hold the end of the leash, your dog has the rest of the leash, and you tell your dog to go potty. Now, your dog is going to be distracted by things, but you're going to be very boring, which for some people is really difficult. Uh, and you're just going to wait your dog out, okay? So you're just going to wait there. And if he sees a squirrel and goes after a squirrel, well, he only has the six feet of the leash. What is that, the radius, right? Six feet radius. 
to go after the squirrel or to go after the cat or to get distracted by anything because you are not following your dog around at the end of that leash, letting your dog dictate where you go. Mm -mm. No, 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 no. You plant your feet or sit on a chair. Bring, if your dog takes forever to go to the bathroom, just grab a chair, bring a chair out to the yard, sit down and wait. Now, you know what this is a good time for? It's a good time for listening to our podcasts, checking out our videos, going on our How to Train Your Service Dog Facebook group or our Dream Dog Central Florida Dog Training Facebook page and see what we're doing. And then just be stationary. Don't engage with your dog. Don't play with your dog. Don't pet your dog. You have three words you're going to say to your dog. Okay, you ready? Go potty. Well, four. Go potty right? Or whatever command you want to use. We use go potty. If your dog does not go potty in about 30 seconds, now that's 30 long seconds. That's like the Jeopardy do 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 song, right? Uh, 30 long seconds, maybe even a minute. What you do is you say, uh-uh, and then you re-cue, go potty. And whenever your dog does potty, wait for your dog to finish. Don't praise your dog as he starts to pee. Don't praise him as he hunkers wait for your dog to finish going potty and standing up and being done. Good boy. If you have a treat, you can give him a treat. If you clicker, you can clicker and treat. Um, if you have a toy, you can get out and you can play with your toy after your dog goes potty. Okay. Not before. So a lot of people, what happens is they take their dog out on a walk, right? The dog goes potty. They turn around and they come home. And do you know what that teaches your dog? It teaches your dog to hold it as long as possible because when they go potty, the fun's over. And they don't want the fun to be over. So they will hold it as long as they can. Now what happens if they don't get it all out when they're outside? They come in and they pee or poop in your house. Now with Archie's owner here asking, now he's six months old. Now usually around six months old is when they actually start to get it. So if your dog's up to six months old, don't be surprised if you're having potty issues. And that means you have to be really strict with what you're doing, which means your dog does not get freedom in the house until your dog is completely potty trained and has earned it because you do not want to be cleaning up accidents all over the house. It's really aggravating and really frustrating really quickly, okay? So what you want to do is you want to, your dog's inside, your dog's crated, your dog's on leash and collar and attached to you, or your dog is strictly supervised. Now, this is no TV, no phone, just watching eyeballs on your dog, right? No computer, don't start gaming, eyeballs on your dog. But, you know, everything's supervised. He doesn't have chance to have an accident. He starts to hunker to pee, no, 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 and you get him outside, right? Um, outside, you're very boring until your dog potties and then the fun begins. So if you wanna do any training with them, after he potties, the fun happens. After he potties, we'll do training. After he potties, um, I'll feed you breakfast. After you potty, I'll play games with you. But not beforehand. And guys, that is the big old secret, the big old key to potty training and getting your dog to potty on command uh, is tell them what to do, go potty. Remember, I usually don't name it until I love it. But with go potty, it's a little different. Go potty and wait them out. And if 30 seconds to a minute go by, uh-uh, go potty, right? So the uh-uh erases what you just told them. So it erases that go potty and then you can recue it. You know what you don't want to do? Go potty, go potty, go potty, go potty. Why aren't you going potty? Oh my God, just pee already. Why aren't you peeing? Just pee, 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 pee. Don't do that. That's annoying. 
to us. It's annoying to your dog. Now, other people say different things. Like I said, I use GoPotty. People use like make your business, eliminate, whatever, you name it. I'm sure people use it. Um, and it doesn't really matter. You can tell them, you know, watermelon and you can train your dog that watermelon means go potty. Now here's the problem with that. You're in the house. Do you want some watermelon? Yeah, I'd love some watermelon. And your dog just went to the bathroom. I usually don't use go potty unless I'm talking about going potty. So it works out pretty good for us. Uh, good, good. Everyone's on. Hey guys, fantastic. So we got another question here. So question number two for the night is, when can I bring my service dog prospect out in public? Here, now this is another, we've got a bunch of good questions tonight, guys. We have a couple really long ones too. Now, when can you start bringing your service dog prospect out in public? Now, there's usually only two classifications. It's service dog in training or service dog. Legally, there's only the two classifications, but in reality, there's a third one, and that's the service dog prospect, or as I like to call them, my service puppies. I get them out in public as soon as possible. I do not wait for them to be completed on their shots. I do not wait for them to be completely house trained. I don't want accidents everywhere, but when I'm first starting, I usually go to, <laughs> I don't usually, I only go to non-dog friendly places, um, not dog heavy places. So I don't go to the pet stores like Petco and PetSmart, where they have so many dogs in and so many adoption events going on. Mm -mm. I might go to Tractor Supply or a feed store because even though it is dog friendly, they usually don't have a lot of dogs in where we live. So it's a safe place to go with my dog. I wouldn't go to a dog park, but I would go to a farmer's market, again, depending on the farmer's market and how many dogs there usually are there. I wouldn't go to you know, a dog event, like say they're having a dog wash and a dog parade, I would not take my puppy there, but I would take him to the city park and watch, you know, a soccer game. You know, I, I do that stuff. So technically in Florida here, service dogs in training is covered in an, as an eight week old puppy. You know, when we went up last year, last October, we flew up to Atlanta, we picked up Gypsy, we flew back. And I called the airline like three times. We used Frontier. I caught up Frontier three times to make sure that she could fly back with us and we didn't have to drive up and drive back. Because if we could fly with her, it would be awesome. And Frontier, at the time, I don't know what they, they say now, but at the time, service dogs in training with a certified trainer flew for free. Well, my husband and I both went, we're both certified up the wazoo for training stuff. Uh, we had Arrow and we had Gypsy and they did not give us any problem whatsoever with flying with her as a service dog in training, which was really nice. Um, so she had her first outing at eight weeks old whenever we went to two airports and an airline, an airplane, right? We uh, came back here that first week. That next day she did tractor supply to pick out toys and treats. Uh, we did... Where else did we go? We went up to the villages and we ate outside at McAllister's. Uh, we went to, I think I had a dental appointment, or Rich had a dental appointment, so we took her and I worked her outside and then we went to Sam's Club and then we went to Disney. So that all happened that first week. I think those are what we did. I know we did Disney when she was nine weeks old. Now, what we do is we spend, immediately we start potty training them to go on command, which was the first question of the night, right? So we get them going on command now. Trust me, I we told she was not potty trained. So what we do is Disney, we went to studios and 
We go in there, dog potty area, dog potty area, carry her. She got a lot of carrying that day. So if you have a, a cart, you know, a stroller cart for your dog, feel free to use it at this time. But we started at immediately. Why is because I don't want it to be, my dog doesn't go anywhere, my dog doesn't need anyone, nothing happens, and then bang, he's six months old and here you go. Or bang, he's four months old, he's fully vaccinated, let's take him out in public. Because usually around four months old, they're starting to hit their first fear period. So it's not a good time to start socializing your dog. Uh, it's much better to do it at eight, nine, 10, 11, 12 weeks old. And we have another question a little bit later on socialization as well. So this is going to tie in with that too. Uh, but we, we do, and we do really quick outings. So the first time we went to Walmart with her, because we got a Walmart in town here, we got Publix and Winn-Dixie, whatever the first time we went into stores like that, uh, they were just really quick. Rich had the list. He went in, he got what we needed. I walked in, I was in the entryway in like the first aisle or two. We did some sits, we did some focus, and we were out of there to potty her. She pottied or maybe she didn't potty outside. We went back in and we did the same thing. And we just did it a couple times, but we were inside for maybe two to three minutes and then back outside to see if she had to potty. Zoe and Gypsy, you guys are playing and you're really loud. Can you be a little quieter? I don't have treats. You have to be quieter. Uh, so we start them right away. Uh, I think that's the best way to do it, but you have to be smart about it. So why did it work for us is because Rich could do the shopping while I did the training. Okay. You know what wouldn't work is if I had to do everything and I wouldn't bring my dog at that point. If I had to go and get a full grocery order, I would leave my service prospect, my service puppy at home. But if I need to go in and grab, you know, a loaf of bread or a gallon of milk or lately it's been green beans and zucchini, you know, I know where it is in the store. I can go in with the puppy, get that and check out and leave. But you want to make sure it's quick, 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 like a buddy. Okay. So it's much better to do these training sessions as training sessions, even if you don't need anything. And there were times that we'll do that, that, you know, we have a dog in and we need to do an outing and we don't need anything. So we just go anyway. And we'll go and we'll, we'll do the shopping, the fake shopping, right? We'll walk by strollers, we'll walk by grocery carts, all that fun stuff and just see what's going on. And it works. Uh, it works out really good. So when do you start it? As soon as you can. Now you have to check your own state laws. And for that, you want to Google your, the name of your state, state of confusion, um, service dog in training or service dog laws and see what it says. Because sometimes you have to be with an organization. Sometimes you have to be a certified trainer. And sometimes they don't say anything about it. And if your state doesn't say anything about it, that's only for service dogs. Because the ADA does not cover service dogs in training yet. So it's up to the individual states to decide on that one. Uh, so if your state does not allow service dogs in training, that's when you want to get your dog up to being a service dog officially as soon as possible. But that's, that's kind of the difference. Usually, yeah, it doesn't matter as much. But, uh, but if you're in a state that doesn't have access, it matters. And it matters a whole bunch. Okay. Oh, here's one that kind of goes off with it. Um, my dog's four months old. How many times per week should I be taking my pup out for socializing in public? I'm afraid of doing too much or too little. And you know what? That is a very, very legitimate and valid concern. Um, how many times should you be taking your pup out for socializing in public at four months old? It depends on your dog and how he's doing. 
So if your dog is doing well and enjoying it, you can do maybe three times a week, maybe four or five times a week. If your dog's not doing as well, you know, you want to keep it fun for them. So I do maybe two or three times a week and see how it is. You know, sometimes, like I said, around four months old, they do hit those really fun fear periods. And for those, we always ease, what's a fear period first, right? We want to ease back on training and make it fun for them. So instead of, uh, you know, exposing him to everything, we're exposing him basically to things that he knows in a fun, happy way and getting him where he's not scared or distracted or, you know, freak it out by different things that could happen. So you want to expose your dog to all different types of people, you know, big and tall and small and short and uh, old and young and different um, ethnicities, different people, hats, jackets, scarves, you know, face coverings, um, different gates. So, you know, somebody limps or hobbles and someone has a cane or crutches or a wheelchair or a walker, you know, you want your dog to experience all of that stuff. So that's what we mean by, you know, socializing is, you know, exposure to that. Um, out in public, like I said, we want really short sessions. Now, I've talked to people where they're doing a full eight to 10 hour day with their four month old puppy, and that is entirely too much. Five minute sessions, guys. And, and people would ask me about that. I had professional trainers asking me about that. You know, like you're going to burn your dog out, you're going to burn Gypsy out. And like you realize we're from the car to the store and out again, five minutes. Like I can do it really quickly just so she kind of gets the feel for it and then we're out of there before she's like, I hate this, it's scary. Um, and you do have to work your dog through some of it, but you want to do it in the right way. So how we do it, food. <laughs> that's why I like the treats and that's why I like the soft moist treats or the freeze dried stuff, you know, or the sell it and chewies. You know, you want to get some of that doggy crack because it's really going to make a difference. If you're just like, meh, treats, my dog doesn't care, it's going to be a lot harder to help him through that stuff that he's unsure of. Um, whereas if he loves treats, it, more so than toys, if your dog loves toys, that's great. But if you're at Walmart and your dog's like, oh, there's a cart that just went really close to me, you're not going to whip out a tennis ball and shoot it down the aisle, right? You can whip out a treat and feed it to your dog. That's why I like the food more so. I like both, but I like the food. Um, so yeah, it, it is um, document your outings so you know where you're going, what you worked on, and how much time you spent there. So if you're thinking that you're doing five-minute outings, in reality you're doing half-hour outings and your dog's too tired afterwards, your dog's burning out, that's why. Um, but, you know, at four months old, I'd be looking at two to three times a week would be fine, about five minutes. So like I said, that's like go and grab a loaf of bread or go and go up and down an aisle or go in and just our Walmart, when you're walking, there's the cart area and then you walk into the store, right? They're not all set up the same, but there's a bench there. So sometimes I'll just go in and I'll sit on that bench. Rich will go in and do the shopping and I'll just work the dog there. And that was actually Roma's first time at, the, at that store. That's what we did. As so we go in and she's like, I don't know about this stuff. So I'm like, that's okay, we're just sitting here. So we had been working at home on focus and sit and touch. And so that's what I had her doing. And just in the three minutes that, that we were there, she was like, okay, yeah, this is fine. I'm good with this, which is good. Um, okay, we got some, some comments. Uh, Joy says, Willow's grandma wishes you and your family a happy Thanksgiving. Thank you, Joy. Um, a couple said, yeah, or hi. Hi guys, uh, what about for a six month old? A six month old. 
I'd probably start doing a little bit more because they are, well, they should be fully potty trained at that age. They're not always, and that's fine. Everyone's going to do it at their own rate, but know that around six months old, I'm expecting the dog, they might have an accident or two, but I'm not expecting this to be a regular occurrence, right? Um, so six months old, depending on how active you are, how busy you are, how much you're out and about, um, you know, it, it could be three, four, five times a week. And if you think five times a week, it's almost every other day. It's like Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and then Saturday and Sunday if you have stuff that you're doing. And that's not ridiculous. Um, we're kind of lucky in the way that when we get service dogs and sometimes we have one in for training and sometimes we have three or four in at the same time. So we just rotate out who we're bringing. Uh, and it's nice because then they don't get burned out that way from doing it. And like I said, we know, we know what we're doing. We've been doing it for a while. Um, so I know how to, you know, double, double duty it. You know, if we have a really big order, you know, when we go to Sam's, right. And it, we, you have the massive order and you have the cart that's just heaping over with everything because you're doing your week, your monthly Sam's run. Um, I brought dogs up there. Rich is the one who gets the stuff. Him and I text her. He calls me like, what do we need? Where do I find this? Uh, and I just work the dog. So I'll work them maybe up and down one of the aisles, go back outside, come back inside, maybe hang out by the food court a little bit and have the dog down and chill out, maybe get a couple pictures, uh, maybe pop into the restroom and see how the dog does in the restroom, go back out again and potty them. You know, depending on the weather, maybe sit outside with them for a little bit, maybe go in the car and turn the AC back on, maybe just go back inside, find a little tuck away spot and chill out with them for a bit. So they're not walking through the store with us. And we know what we usually get at Sam. So Rich usually knows where everything is and we can run through and get everything. Uh, Christina asked, are there any dog training log apps available? Not that I know of, Christina, but if you're in the How to Train Your Service Dog Facebook group, which I highly recommend because it's my group, um, we do have uh, PDFs and it has our training log. And I actually need to update it because I changed up our colors. So I changed up the logs. And then we recommend doing it that way and writing it down. And you want to make sure you can document at least 120 hours of active training. Okay. I'm going to the movies. Yes, that could be two hours. But if you go to the movies every day with your dog, like you need to do other things too. Um, and it's, it's not just public access training. It's all training that you do with your dog. Now, I don't do the... Uh, all training whenever I document for my dogs, I just do the public access stuff because training happens constantly here and my book would be filled up pretty quickly. So once I get my 120 hours of public access training, I figure I'm good. Uh, but it is a PDF paper that you just print up and that's, we have that, we offer that. It's in that Facebook group. And if you get in there and you can't find it, just tag me because I have to upload the new one anyway. Um, comment yay i finally get to see you live again it's been way too long my life has been crazy my service dog and training ended up washing since her attack back in august and i have a new prospect that's nine weeks old and is doing amazing when is too early to start taking him out even if it's just to the outside of the store and parking lots to get used to the sights and sounds right now so nine weeks old what type of dog did you get what breed i'm interested and um yeah, so we start them out at that, like I said, like that. Um, I also, <coughs> excuse me, guys. Whenever I have a dog out, they are vested as a service dog in training. Patience and love on Etsy. Look at their guide dog capes. They are the best. Um, so I have them vested as a service dog in training. 
And I do not allow people to come up and pet them, nor do I allow dogs to come up and greet them. Okay, so when I'm out and people, oh, I'm a, do you know what Gypsy looked like as a puppy? She's cuter then than she is now, and she's super wicked cute now, right? But she's not a little puppy. And uh, people wanted constantly to come up and say hi. Nope. So again, until they're six months old, I usually say no. Maybe once or twice a week, if the person's decent, I might say, do you want to say hello? Then I always ask the dog, I turn to the dog, do you want to say hello? And I move my hand like, you know, when you introduce people back and forth. And if the dog takes a step forward and goes up to the person, they're allowed to greet as long as they're good and they're sitting. And I'll tell the person that too. I'll say, you know, the dog has to be sitting. She has to be good in order to greet you and say hello. Once they hit six months, I might do it a little bit more. But by that point, they're like, meh, it's people. I don't really care too much. Now, say you have a breed. I have a golden, which is a breed who loves people. Say you have a breed who's like, no, I really don't want to see people. You're going to want to step that up and do a little bit more. So you might, instead of, you know, once or twice a week, you might want to do it once or twice an outing, have somebody come up and say hi, but you want to do it the same way. You don't want to, you, you want to give your dog a choice. You don't want to take away the choices. So if you're like, yeah, come up and say hi to my dog. Here, take them, right? That's wrong. And there's always going to be crazy people out there who try to sneak pets, steal pets, Act like a nut and a loon, right? Ah! Ignore those people. Tell them, no, stop, go away. We were at the store yesterday and looking at um, something. I don't remember what we were looking at. Uh, maybe almond butters. And someone just turned the corner, comes by and just starts petting Gypsy on the head. And I look at him and I look at Gypsy and she's just like, okay. And I'm like, no, stop. Don't pet my dog. And he, and he walks off. I have no idea what he said. So yeah, at nine weeks old, you want to make sure that you have a cleanup kit with you. Okay, so what we do is I will take a quart size or a gallon size of black baggie. I will put paper towel cleanups in there and maybe some kind of like Clorox wipes, but they're thieves wipes because we do young living and it's easier to have the thieves wipes instead of Clorox wipes because that's too hard on me. Uh, so I will have that in a Ziploc baggie. So then if my dog has an accident, I have a cleanup kit right there and I'm not like, I need cleanup help over here. Um, chances are your dog will at one point have an accident somewhere. Hopefully not. Hopefully, hopefully not. But you know, sometimes they have an upset stomach and they throw up. Or sometimes you weren't expecting it and oh, my dog's sick and he just had diarrhea here. So you want that never to happen because it is horrific whenever it happens. It's very embarrassing. You don't want it to happen. But sometimes it does. So you need to have a cleanup kit. And then also at nine weeks old, because he's not fully potty trained yet, you want to make him very short. So give him plenty of potty time outside inside real quick back outside more potty time the dog pees and poops awesome you're good to go take them back in and work them a little bit more or just sit outside and watch the world go by and if your dog does have a pee accident outside it's no biggie what you can add to your bag for your dog with your cleanup kit is a bottle of water and then you can just you know squirt that off squirt the pee off hope you all have a great thanksgiving thank you Oh, Alan is in Brazil. He says, I, I wish we also had Thanksgiving in Brazil. Well, Alan, you could probably have turkey and have your own Thanksgiving, right? Mary says, I rarely go out, so my girls get out of whack on public access, and I have to actually make an effort to go out just for them to stay up on their training. <coughs> excuse me. <coughs> oh, excuse me again. So, yeah, that is one thing. If your dog really needs it, so, for example, we have Chance in right now. He is pretty solid with his public access training, especially on the gentle leader. 
but he's a little more looky-loo when he's on his prong collar. So we've been taking him out on both to see how he does on both of them. And it's something that even though he's already a service dog, he's here for some brush-ups and to work on some stuff, you still want to maintain that. I'm not going to not take him out into public because he does good at it. No, he still gets the public stuff, and then he also gets the task work, and he gets everything. Christina says, I look for that. Thanks so much. And that was for the service dog log. Oh, and you got a German Shepherd puppy. Nice. So German Shepherds, because um, they can be a little skittish and a little fearful around people, that's one that you're going to have to watch um, because you're going to want to make sure that she is introduced or he is introduced to people, but it's done in that correct way. So don't allow people to come up and molester your dog. Make sure that it's your dog's choice to go over and say hello to them. That's going to be a big one. Uh, Jane, which is Remy's owner, who made us a beautiful cross stitch in two poems, like, it's like Christmas for us here. She says, I'm sorry, this is not a question, but check your Dream Docs page before you quit the session tonight. The photo is more than worth it in regards to your webinar right now. Uh-huh. Um, Shoshane says he is picking up all the basic stuff really fast, like sit down, stay, and has even started the groundwork for alerts. That is amazing. And he's really so well with potty training uh, as well. He only had one accident and asked to go out. Well, that is super. I'm really pleased. Um, Katie asked, now that's Willow's owner. So if you remember, Willow was with us back in the spring and we got a really cute picture of her and Gypsy together because she's another golden. Um, how to protect your dog in the cold when training or walking to classes. <laughs> so they're Southern, um, Georgia and uh, Alabama. So, you know, cold, but I mean, it still gets cold down here, guys. Like it was like 60 the other day here in Florida. And it was pretty chilly. And I actually had to wear capris and a hoodie. <laughs> um, Arrow has, so Arrow's my smooth-coated dog. He's my Belgian Malinois, but he has a smooth coat. He doesn't have a plush coat like a German Shepherd has, right? Smooth coat kind of like a, um, a boxer would have. So he has um, sweaters and hoodies. So whenever it's cold and he has to go outside, I put one of those on him. Um, Gypsy doesn't, well, any of the dogs can wear them, right? But um, Gypsy, I haven't needed to use any because of her coat, but if we were going someplace that it was a little chillier, I'd just put a sweater or a hoodie on her. You know, for short potty breaks, I might not, but um, plenty of times we've gone to Disney in the wintertime and Eris had jackets on. And I remember actually one time he had a thunder shirt on just because I had it and it fit him and it worked, uh, you know, to keep him a little bit. It wasn't super cold, but it was just cool enough. And somebody came up and they're like, if your dog needs a thunder shirt, he shouldn't be your service dog at Disney. I'm like, he's not using it as a thunder shirt. He's using it as a jacket because it's 60 degrees outside and he doesn't have a lot of fur. So, um, so yeah, it, it's going to be a matter of that. If there's snow or if it's cold on the ground, they can wear their booties and they actually have special booties for the snow. Um, both Roughwear and Mutlock, which are the two companies that we like and we recommend. Um, they have the ones for the hot weather and the ones for the cold weather. I think Mutlock, they, no, Roughwear, they call them pole or something. Um, they're harder to put on, in my opinion, than the normal ones. But you do have that option, too. Um, you know, get her, I mean, it's Willow. She needs to have a little pink hoodie <laughs> with sparkles. Um, but, yeah, yeah, it's great. We have a bunch. What do we have? Um, a couple BB-8 and R2-D2 hoodies. We have some Christmas sweaters. We have a pirate sweater. 
you know, and Aaron loves wearing his sweaters. Whenever it gets cold and we put a sweater on him, he likes to wear it for a few days. And he just gets so proud of himself. And whenever we have to take it off, he like, he runs away. He doesn't want to come over. And we were like, no, get over here. I need to take your sweater off. But we'll put this one on. And he's all good. Now Gypsy's playing with the toy. And that's what that noise is. Um, so Shane asks, at what age can I start using something like gentle leaders on him? He hates, hates, hates the leash on his flat collar. That is, you guys are just full of great questions tonight. Um, you can start using a gentle leader now. So you can look probably at getting a medium size, maybe even a large size, because you can make them smaller, and they have different colors if you order on Amazon or Chewy. I actually got the purple one in, and that's why Gypsy's been wearing her head halts or more, is because it matches her outfit. We've got to match, guys. Uh, but yeah, you can do that right now. Remember to watch the video that comes with it, or look online. Um, who is it? Premiere or... Radio Systems, I want to say, makes the Jenna Leader, but look up the official. There's, I think, two videos for Jenna Leader. Make sure you watch those. It's how to fit it and how to use it. We actually should do one for the channel. I'm going to actually write that down because that's a really good idea, Vicki. I know it is. Tomorrow, Jenna Leader video for YouTube. See, if I don't, I'll totally forget it. Um, but yeah, you can start that right now. Um, Catherine asks, do you put the vest under or over, or put the jackets under or over their vests? I put them under the vest. So first goes the, the jacket or the hoodie, and then goes the vest on top of it. Now, I do have different vests. So like if it is going to rain, I have one that's just webbing straps that says service dog on it. And that's nice because if it gets soaked, it's not going to matter too much because it's just webbing. Um, so, you know, we could do something like that. We had Arrow, I had Arrow a couple years ago in Vegas in December, and it was wicked cold. So I had grabbed some sweaters, and because it was, you know, December time, and um, one of them is his Christmas elf sweater. So we were staying in one of the hotels there, and we went down to take him out to Podium, and went down all the elevators, right? And had to walk out through the lobby, and I had put a, I think I'd put a patch on his sweater, and I had put a leash sleeve on maybe. And, uh, and, and we just, we exited and came back in and someone made the comment, um, not an employee, but just, you know, a guest there that I didn't know they allowed dogs in here. I said, they don't allow dogs. He is a service dog. Cause don't forget service dogs don't need to be vested. We just do it because it's convenient and it stops the questions. Um, so yeah, I always put it cause if you put the jacket on over their vest, no one's gonna be able to see the vest. So you want to put it under their vest. Um, and if that means get a secondary one for that that might work for you too. Because if it's, if you live up north and you've got that smooth coat dog, you know, think one runner, think boxer, you might get a heavier than what we have. And then you're going to need, you know, the bigger, um, the bigger vest or depending, um, you know, those rough wear, those cooling vests, the swamp coolers. Uh, one of my one of my peeps, um, she sewed a bunch of patches on it for service dogs. So in the summer, she just used that for her service dog and she didn't even worry about having a secondary vest on top of it. She just used that. And that was fantastic. So I'm like, I need to do that because I have patches and I have one of those and we can just put them together. I'm sure Shane says it was freezing here in Phoenix a few days ago. It was 47 degrees. I was hiding with both pups and a pile of blankets, right? It was a two dog night for you. And she has six different gentle leaders for my first service dog. She was a chocolate lab, so I have a lot of time to collect pretty gentle, gentle leaders. Good. And she thinks she has an uh, addiction to collecting gear. 
Yeah, I have a collection of collecting treats. That is my um, addiction. I just ordered a whole bunch more. <laughs> okay, another question. Frank's training has been going really well, and he seems to really enjoy our sessions. But he gets excited. He picks up, oh, and he gets excited. He picks up the commands quickly, and he's very focused in low distraction environments which is great, right? He's very focused, he gets excited, he picks up the commands quickly. But our biggest obstacle right now is his fear. I don't know if it's a fear period or if it's a breed thing, because I've heard from lots of other verbal owners that the long fear periods their pups went through but have since outgrown. Or if it's me doing too much too soon or all of the above. He doesn't like people approaching him, but he's fine with them otherwise. He gets scared of dogs barking at him, but shows interest in them from a distance. And he runs inside when a car or truck drives past us while outside. Mostly when we're out in public, he just seems unsure of what's going on. I take him to the vet each week, usually for three to five minutes to get weighed. And when he gets more comfortable, uh, and he gets more comfortable every week. He used to jump up on me and cry the whole time, but now he understands why we go and will sit automatically on the scale and takes his treats without whining, unless we stay too long. And no jumping. He seems nervous or unsure upon arriving, but will sit or lay by my feet after a few minutes and will even fall asleep, which I feel is encouraging. He's four months old this week. I'm hoping to get your thoughts on this. Is this something I can help him through with training and confidence building? Service dog or not, I want him to be able to go with me and be calm and confident. I'm encouraged by his steady progress, and I think that with the resources from your online course, I can really help him, especially once he learns place. What are your thoughts? Okay. So here's my thoughts on this one, is you need to use more name and explain. What's name and explain? It's telling your dog what's going on. Um, you also have to do more advocating for your dog. So it sounds like he's doing well. He's just unsure on certain things. So if they're unsure about it, I tell them what's going on. So I'm going to share with you guys a story on name and explain and how freaking awesome it is. Okay, you ready? Uh, Arrow has been intact since we got him. He is now six and a half years old. And we got him neutered over the summer because uh, we had an intact golden and an intact poodle. And I was not having ugly golden Malinois and poodle doodles, mal maladoodles, right? I was not doing that. So he had to get snip snipped. So had the vet come out. Now, Arrow does not like vets. When we had his teeth done, we used a very good friend of ours um, who's a veterinarian and she, she did it for us. Uh, and he still it was, he was a jerk. Um, even though he's a service dog, he is all malinois at the vets. And if you try to do something he doesn't want to do, he will let you know that that's not going to fly. Uh, usually whenever he gets his shots and there are some cue shots, I can do that. So I can do it. Um, I gave him his last rabies with the vet right there watching me the entire time because we didn't want him to bite anybody. Yeah, that's one of the reasons I don't recommend malinois as service dogs, right? Um, fantastic all the time. Hates the vet. So anyway, he had to get neutered. And that means he had to get a shot to, with the sleepy deepy stuff in it. And it wasn't a sub-Q shot. It had to go in, uh, in the vein in the leg. I can't do those. So um, vet came over. We knew what time he was coming because he did it here. How amazing is that? My vet came to my house and neutered my dog. It was the easiest way to do it, and I loved it. But anyway, so he comes here, and I had Arrow muzzled. Well, Arrow popped out of that muzzle pretty quickly. Okay. And he knew something was up and he was fighting us already on it. So the vet says, do you have a towel? Just wrap a towel around his head. Well, Arrow is 60 to 65 pounds of pure muscle. A Malinois is actually what happens when a kangaroo and an alligator have a baby together. 
So he's jumpy, he is bitey, he is not enjoying this. So I'm trying to wrap a towel around his head and hold on to him. No, I'm not a little person and it was still a pain and it wasn't working. It wasn't. So I said, hold on, no more muzzle, no more towel. Arrow, I told him. I said, the vet is right here. The vet needs to give you a shot in your leg and I tapped his leg. I said, and, and he has to give you the shot and it's just gonna pinch for just a little second and then you're gonna go to sleep and it's gonna be super easy, okay? And when you wake up, everything will be fine. But we have to neither you, right? So I said, I'm going to bridge for you. So I'll tell you whenever he's coming to you. I'll tell you whenever he's in there and whenever he's done, okay? And you're going to be able to see the whole thing. But I need you to sit here and to not move and to be a very good boy. So I'll tell you, good, 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 good. And then he'll be all done. And, you know, good. And he'll take it off, right? And he did it. I had my finger in his collar. But I didn't need to hold on to it and grasp it. I didn't need to, to make him immobile. I don't even think I had to pick up his leg. I think the vet might have done that or he did it straight. I don't remember which. But it worked because I told him what was going on. This is the same reason why our nail trim stuff works freaking amazeballs, right? Excuse me. We have a video on Mac from not too long ago, from a couple weeks ago, where we got his nails trimmed. Mac, I'm going to do one now. Okay, let me do one now and I'll give you a treat. Chance, we're doing the same thing with him. Remy, we did the same thing with her with the face. People manhandle their dogs entirely too much. And not that Frank's owner's doing this, but it's just a perfect example. Aaron was a perfect gentleman whenever we did that. And just by telling him what was going on. What oh, stupid dogs don't understand English. <laughs> the hell they don't. Um, they most certainly understand English. And whenever you treat them like a living being, it's a heck of a lot easier. Uh, so we do. That's that's how we do it. So this is what I would do with Frank. So that story was just to put some more stuff about me in there. But um, he, let's see. He doesn't like people approaching him. So if people come to approach him, no, put your hand out like stop in the name of love, right, guys? No, he's working right now or he's training right now. And if he's sitting there and he's fine with the mother wise, ask him, Frank, do you want to go say hello? And if he goes over and he says hello to them, you're going to click and treat if you want to, or just tell him he's a good boy and give him a treat. Um, so that's one of them. People approaching, he gets scared of dogs barking at him, but shows interest in him, them from a safe distance. Well, I mean, dogs can be jerks. <laughs> I'm a dog trainer and I say this because I've seen what's out there, guys. So if dogs bark at him and he um, gets scared or even with the people, what I want you to do is whenever he sees one, um, he runs inside when a car or truck drives by, any of these things that he's afraid of, I want you to click and treat. So how it's going to go is there's a truck. <laughs> click treat. Oh, okay. Oh, there's a dog. Click treat. Oh, that's pretty cool. There's a dog or there's a person. Oh, click treat. Oh, okay. And after doing this a few times, say your dog like wants to kill squirrels, right? You can do the same thing, click treat. If your dog's clicker savvy, that is. If not, make your dog clicker savvy. It doesn't take too long. And I, I ideally, ugh, as I stutter here, ideally what you want is your dog to see a truck, a car, a person, a squirrel, and then look right back at you like, I just beat you to the click, where's my treat? And that's what you want. That's what you're waiting for. It's a lot of repetitions, um, but it does change their overall thought of it. It gets them in uh, 
what Mark McCabe, check him out. He's pretty awesome. Calls an appetite of state. Uh, and it, it gets them where they're thinking more of their tummy than with their brain, right? So instead of like, oh my gosh, it's a scary, scary person. It's like, oh, cool. Now, what you don't want to do is have them go up to people and have the people feed them. I don't like that. And I don't like that for a few reasons. I don't like it because going up in a person, feeding them, and then, oh, crap, I don't have any food, and you're way too close, so I'm going to bite you to make you go away. I'm not saying Frank's going to do that, but I've seen it happen way too much. Um, and I'm not going to recruit other people to do my training for me. I'm going to train my dog. <laughs> okay. Uh, the only time I really do is whenever we need to, um, to work on greeting people, and usually I have so many people volunteering to do that, it's not a problem. Okay. Um, what else doesn't Frank like? Took him to the vet. He gets weighed to get more comfortable. Again, tell him what's going on. Um, tell him we're going into the vet. We need to get you weighed. Um, you'll get a treat afterwards, and you can greet people if you sit nicely. So, Frank, if you sit nicely, you can say hi. If you don't sit nicely, if you want to stand there, then you don't have to say hello. Right? Now he has a choice. If he wants to say hi to people, he can sit nicely and be a good boy. If he doesn't, he'll just stand there. Okay, that works. And yes, he will figure that out, especially as you teach him what stand is, which is in the online course. Um, he will sit automatically on the scale, which is awesome, and take treats without whining and no jumping. He seems nervous or unsure upon arriving, so tell him. Because he doesn't know why you're going. Are you going for shots? Are you going to just weigh him? What's up with that? So tell him, you know, we're going to go in there. We're going to weigh you. We're going to talk to them for a couple minutes. They're going to tell you what a pretty good boy you are, and then we're going to leave, okay? But you're not going to go in. You're not going to, you know, get get your exam or anything today. And whenever it is time for the exam, you know, they're going to look in your ear. They're going to put a thermometer in your butt. They're going to, um, everything that they do, you're just going to tell them what's going on. Trust me, it is so much easier. I think, yeah, Rama was the last dog we had at the vet and that's what we did with her. And I'm sure the vets think I'm crazy, but holy crap, does it work? It works so good. Like, trust me, like you think I'm crazy guys, just please, 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 please just try it. So that doesn't mean, um, Chance, can I trim your nails? Give me your paw. And his owners have taught him, so he'll give you his paw. And then I'll, I'll tell him, you know, I'm going to do one nail for one second. Chance, I need you to give me your paw. And then I'm going to do one nail for one second. And then I'm going to give you a treat. Okay? This is like, I don't think so. But I'm like, give me your paw. And he goes, okay. And he gives me my, the paw. And then it's just good, 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 good. And that's it. Now, if I'm like, ha-ha, sucker, I got your foot, and now we're going to trim them all really bad, do you think he's going to believe me next time? No, he's not going to believe me next time. So you want to make sure that you are honest with your dog. If you tell them that if you sit, someone can come up and greet you, but if you stand, they're not going to come over, you have to uphold that. You can't say, well, I didn't know she was going to come over. You have to make sure that she doesn't come over to say hello. Um, if you know, like, we'll go inside. If you're good, we can sit down for a few minutes and work. And if, uh, you know, and then we'll, we'll leave. But if you're bad, we're going to be in there for a lot longer. Right? Um, let's see. Hoping you get your thoughts. Yeah, training, confidence building will help. Touch will help out quite a bit as well because touch is great. Um, touch, you know, and then um, he knows touch is your hand. Um, you can do target stick as well. Um, you can also start teaching them body parts, which I think for Frank will help out tremendously. And yes, I have to do a video on teaching body parts. 
Um, and it's not showing your dog, you know, a severed arm from Halloween and saying, this is an arm from Halloween. Um, there's a different way we go about teaching body parts, which makes it a heck of a lot easier. Um, but yeah, yeah, let me know how that goes with Frank. And um, I'm anxious to hear. Um, the name of our Facebook group is called How to Train Your Service Dog Group. Oh, Marion just told you. Yep. I'm in the diabetic dog group, dream dog group, and a few more. I can list them here. Um, if you want to PM me, that might be easier to check. Okay. My girl that washed is bilingual. I speak Hebrew and English, and I swear she understands me in both languages. She's trained in English. Um, I don't want to torment my fiance with Hebrew commands. He only knows English. You know, I read something that up in New York, they were teaching dogs in Yiddish. Like, that's a great way for the community to come together. You know, you got a, from what I understand, a pretty big Jewish community up in New York. And, uh, you know, that's, that's great. Talk about really pinpointing your, your audience there. Um, other people joined. They're talking about different groups. Okay. Back to my questions. What to look for in a service dog prospect. So I just put on some feelers. I'm looking for a golden retriever service dog prospect for one of my people up in Georgia. Um, so what do I look for in a service dog prospect? Well, you guys know my three breeds, Goldens, Lab, and Poodle. Goldens, it's Goldens, right? Labs, it's the black labs and the yellow labs. None of the funky colors and not chocolates, usually. That's my general rule of thumb. And Poodles, we're looking at standard Poodles, not the Littles. Okay, so those are the, the three main ones. So that's first. I mean, we have people who have Doodles, we have a Pointer, we have Pitbulls, we have Boxers mixes. Uh, we have little dogs, we have big dogs, you know, but just in general, those, if, if you want to ask my opinion, that's what my opinion is. Everyone needs a golden or four. And I only have one. Um, so, so that's first. Second, what I want to look for if I'm looking at a puppy or if I'm looking at a dog of known origins, uh, what age were his parents or her parents? What did his, um, his ancestors die of? When did they die of it? Have they had health testing? Okay, so that's the first thing. And I was just looking at Gypsy stuff from when we got her, and I had researched back on her family tree on both sides, the mom and the dad side, and I wrote down what their health results were. So if they had good or, or fair or excellent hips, um, that they passed and got their elbows done. Um, when they died, one of them died at 11 of cancer. Like, okay, 11-year-old of cancer, that's fine. Um, one of them died not on that line, but just one of her dogs, I think died at like six, like was hit by a car. Well, you know, it happens. Um, but that's what I'm gonna look at is health. Not, my vet says he's healthy. Um, not, well, he got all his shots, but you know, I wanna see health testing. I wanna see especially the hips and the elbows. For Goldens, it's hips, elbows, eyes, and hearts, okay? Um, every breed is different though on what they need. Um, testing wise. So that's the first thing. The second thing I want to look at is temperament. I have had people who go and get dogs, pick out puppies, and they're like, the male was so aggressive, we couldn't get by the dad. Or mom was so aggressive that we just had to rescue this dog. Well, that's great, but that's not going to be your service dog because genetics tells guys. So if the dog is genetically a snark off, genetically aggressive, genetically shy, it's not going to make a good service dog. So I would like if they haven't had um, dogs going on from those lines to be therapy dog, service dogs type of thing. 
I want to find one who does. Okay, so I think that's pretty important. And it's harder to find ones who go on to be service dogs. So if they are therapy dogs, I am good with that. But those are my two big things is health testing of the parents, health of the puppies, and um, temperament. Health and temperament, health and temperament, health and temperament. That is key. So you're going to find breeders who are wackadoo. Talk to some breeders who are wackadoo. Um, you're going to find some breeders who are flipping amaze balls, and you want to, you know, dip them in gold and keep them. Um, I know there is an upcoming litter in West Virginia, whenever the dog comes into heat, um, that I'm interested in uh, personally. So we'll see what happens with that. Um, but I know she has the health testing. I know the temperament of the last litter is amazing. And I know that this is a dog that I would love to have. So, so that is Antoinette, who's usually on these, but I think she's on vacay right now. Um, and they, you know, that's what I want to look for there. Um, Activity-wise level, you know, it, it depends. Uh, some people are more active than others. Sometimes if you go to, you know, look at the puppies, one's going to be crazy and the other one's going to be calm. Um, you know, did they just eat? Are they all sleep because they just ate? Um, are they having playtime? You know, what's going on here? When we got Gypsy, um, we picked her because uh, I wanted a female for breeding. Um, there were four females, and she was the one who wanted to interact with me. So that was huge. If you do the Volhard temperament test, you want fours, maybe some threes, but you want mostly fours uh, for service dogs. And if you look at it, it says, you know, that's the dog who's going to be the star of the class with very little work. That's what you want, guys. Don't take the dog who's super hard. It makes it a lot harder for you. So that's what I look for in a service dog prospect. Now, um, I told you I put some feelers out. I don't know if I'll even hear back from the breeders. I hope I do um, for, for this uh, woman up in Georgia. And I told him, I said, you know, I'm looking for a service dog puppy uh, prospect, a puppy or a young adult up to a year or two. And if they're interested in what I'm looking for, I'm happy to tell them but I'm just going to put that out right now. Like, do you have anything available? Do you know anyone who has anything available? You know, see what happens. One of the breeders I talked to when I asked about the health testing, she was like, I've never had any issues. So I don't bother with health testing. Exactly. Yeah. I had a woman who was looking for a white German shepherd, a Swiss shepherd, apparently they're called. And uh, the breeder, she asked if it was okay for the breeder to call me. Sure. Yeah. Have the breeder call me. And, the male was like 18 months old, whatever they did, you know, whenever they impregnated her when they made babies. Um, she hadn't done any health testing on them. Uh, you know, nothing even prelim for him. And I'm like, oh, that's not what you want. So, you know, as we're talking, you know, temperament, I'm like, eh, and health testing, there wasn't any, any show of health testing at all. And I called up the owner and I'm like, for what she's asking for these puppies, expect that. Um, you know, so I said, I, I wouldn't go with her. And she calls up and she goes, that trainer was just rude with the questions she was asking. And I'm like, too bad. Um, oh, here we go. A gentle leader question. Which do you prefer, the halty or the gentle leader? I've been told that the halty is better, but it doesn't look like it would work. I, I have no idea. So there, I prefer the gentle leader because it's just the two loops. It's the one that goes around the neck and the one that goes around the snoot. Um, the halty has some extra straps and all. And it connects a little differently. Um, the nice thing with the gentle leader is you can pop that snoot part off and they're on a normal collar. So if they do get out of it, they're still connected right there. I do have both. One of our clients had halties 
and uh, and she she gave them to us because she prefers using the um, slip lead head collar that we do, you know, with the figure eight. Um, this is actually before, so she actually gets to get a couple with the figure eights, but hers, um, she uses the twist and does that. So you can do that. And there are, gosh, I don't even want to guess how many different head haulers for dogs that are out there. I know whenever I, shoot, how many years ago was that? I don't know, many years ago. Um, I went to a conference and they had a whole bunch of them there. And so I ended up, I won one and, you know, I bought a second one to try and, and they're just a whole little different. I like the gentle leaders. I think they've been around long enough. They've, they've stood the test of time. Um, I guess I wasn't wild about the halt, the halty ones. Um, so, you know, see what happens, you know, um, you can try them and see. Um, someone had posted that dogs with longer snouts do better with the, the halties. You know, try it. They're like 20 bucks. For one of them so try it and see and if you get it at petco or pet smart and it doesn't look worn and you know you get it and you put it on and your dog's like you can see about returning it too blake says my german shepherd dog prospects parents were health tested in hips and elbows entitled in working venues i met both parents and got a good idea of temperament blake that is fantastic that's really really good and i love hearing that Another question here. Goose still doesn't like getting up in the truck. He will get in. It doesn't show any stress, but does not want to leave the backyard if he knows he's getting in the truck. So if he gets in and he doesn't show any stress, what you can start doing is maybe having some fun with him whenever he's in there. Like he gets fed when he's in there. You keep extra special treats in there. So when he gets in there, he gets one and try to turn it into a better experience. Um, maybe telling him what's going on too. Tell him, uh, you know, Goose, we're going to go into the truck. When we're in the truck, we're going to do this. We're going to eat dinner. We're going to have that num-num treat you like. We're going to go in there and tell secrets in each other's ears, you know, when the other dogs can't get to us. Uh, and see how that goes. Uh, Gypsy, so we have a Jeep Wrangler, and she can jump into the back of it, but it's harder for her to, she can't jump into the back seat. She can jump into the way back, like the boot of it. So, um, so we just started letting her jump in the back there. Now Rich wants to get the rails for the side, and that would probably make it a heck of a lot easier for her to jump in. So that might be a Christmas present for Rich. I'm not sure. Um, but yeah, yeah, that, it can be weird when they don't want to. We had um, Rosie, the Great Pyrenees, did not want to get into the back of the car for them. Uh, they had like an SUV type of car, and she did not want to get in at all. So when she was here with us, we worked that, and we worked it, and we worked it, and we worked it. And they've come down a few times since then because they live up in the panhandle. And this past time that she was down, she's like, she still hates to get up in the, in the car on her own. Like, she won't do it. I have to lift her up, and she's too big to lift up. So, uh, so Rich went out there with her and got her in and out a few times. And she said since then she hasn't had any problems. So, you know, it took Rosie, we started working together, I want to say in March, and it took her until I think October before she finally will do it for her owner. So I think for some of them, it just takes some time to do, um, to get them comfortable with it. And on that, when should I allow my puppy to jump in the car? For that, in is better than down. Okay, so jumping into the car is a lot easier for them than jumping out of the car and onto, you know, on pavement or dirt or whatever you have. Um, if he's comfortable jumping in, awesome, go for it. Um, jumping out, like I usually lift Gypsy. She can jump out on her own sometimes. Like she'll jump off the bed. Um, we do have a pretty tall place, not our normal place, but a special, the Blue Nine place um, that we put there so she can use it as a step to get up. 
Um, until their joints close at 18 to 24 months, they really shouldn't be doing any heavy. And then the repetitive coming down. So if you're doing outings every day, think you're getting into the car, you're getting out at the store, and then you're maybe going to another store, and then you're coming home. So that's a lot of, of uh, 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 on the shoulders. And you don't want that to happen. Um, here's another question. What can I do? to help instill a better leave it when there's food under a restaurant table we're visiting. So for that, you wanna set them up and practice it at home. Okay, so there's food on the ground. I'm gonna hover my foot with my weight on my heel so my toes are movable and I'm gonna put food there and I'm gonna cover it up with my foot and I want my dog to leave it. If he leaves, I'm gonna give him food from my hand but he has to leave this stuff on the floor alone. And then as you're walking, if you see something gross on the ground there, walk by it and see what your dog does. If he goes to get it, Here's where I'm not wild about leave it. I use no, because I don't want them to get it. It's not leave the dead chicken there alone, or leave the dead bird, or leave the chicken bones, or leave the food there. Um, leave it to me implies leave it right now, but you'll get it later. Whereas no is, oh, heck no. I don't even think about it because that ain't happening. And that's what I prefer, is just telling them no. And why really teach a leave it command? Because no covers it, right? So your dog, if your dog has a good solid no, Makes it a heck of a lot easier. Uh, food under the table at the restaurant. Again, practice at home. Practice at home at your table and chairs. Practice outside on your patio. Practice at the city park. On that there's food there and you will leave it alone. Now, it's harder there because they're lying there. So they don't always clean out underneath the tables and it can be pretty gross. Uh, you know, if there's like big chunks of food, you know, you can ask them for a different table or ask them if they can clean that out first because that's disgusting and you don't want your dog lying down in that. Um, and if they aren't getting it with the no and with the collar correction, that's where e-collar can come in too because e-collar is a very much faster, much more effective way to get a, a good leave it. E-collar is great for a lot of things, including um, don't jump the fence, come back when called, uh, leave it, and focus and heal and so many more things. I love e-collars. Um, check out Happy House of Poodles on Facebook. And then Michelle says, leave it for me means he never gets it. Well, Michelle, why don't you use a no then? Just curious. Because I know a lot of people like leave it. Here's one of Vicky's pet peeves is the two word commands. Leave it, find it, get it, bring it. You know, it can get to be a little bit after you say it a whole bunch with a whole bunch of dogs that you work with. Um, what sort of adjustment issues can we expect after doc, doc, expect after doggy boot camp or really any time they're away from their owners for an extended period of time? And how should we handle those issues? So this is from Chance's owners. Chance is with us for boot camp. I think it's been three weeks now. So that would mean he has two weeks left. Um, for doggy boot camp, what we do when we send them home is we send you with our 30-day training program. And what that does is it takes what we've been doing here and transitions it into the house. So we'd like you to keep as on top of things as what you can. So if he goes back to the way things used to be, and this is not just for Chance who's here for service dog training, it's for any any um, any dog who's in for boot camp, right guys? Um, more so for the, the pet dogs. But um, I want that transition. So Huff went home today, okay? Huff the... Um, Cutest little puppy. Uh, he went home today, and we uh, 
we, we told his owners that too. You know, when he goes home, he's going to be in a crate. He's going to be tethered and attached to you. Um, he's going to be directly supervised. He's going to be on place. He doesn't go home and get free run of the house. That's when things start running into problems is whenever you go home and you want to go back to the good old days. Well, he's going to want to go back to the good old days too. So what, um, what I'd like to see with Chance is adjustment issues. If you keep up with what we're doing and follow that 30-day training program, it shouldn't be an issue. If it is, our doors are open, you know, so contact us. But usually whenever people are having adjustment issues, it's because they're not following through with that 30 days. They want their dog to have free run in the house and they don't, they're, they're created, they're tethered. Like it has to have that transition period. Um, and then to, to continue working. So sometimes the dogs are like, I've never heard that word before in my life. And we're like, dude, you're a liar. You so have. And they're like, no, seriously, I've never heard the word sit before. Like Remy had her go home session yesterday and she was terrible. She was absolutely terrible. She's like, I don't want to listen. Mom and dad are here. I'm going to jump all over them. I've seen mom twice before and she's left me. So I'm making sure she doesn't leave without me again. And I'm like, Remy, you know this stuff. And she's like, never heard it before in my life. Like it happens sometimes too. Uh, you know, and, and they're dogs. They're not robots. So what can you do about that? You laugh about it. Um, and you make sure that you grab those videos showing that she knows her stuff. <laughs> Uh, you know, so for Chance, when he goes home, we're working on so many new tasks with him. So it's going to be a matter of setting up a plan, setting up a schedule. So you can go and say like, okay, today we want to work, you know, center and target stick. And then tomorrow we're going to work on nail trims and um, tuck, you know, and then the next day we're going to do under in this. Um, or do more, do like four or five a day, depending on how he's doing. Uh, we got him out a couple times and he's like, I don't want to work anymore, guys. Okay. Take it easy. One, we actually got the video and he keeps trying to go back into his crate every time we walk by. And we're like, just give us five minutes. And he's like, I don't want to. So, you know, you have to go with what they want to do too. Uh, Mary says, I use drop and then leave if they have something. Um, if they don't have in the mouth and just sniff, I say no. Yeah. Uh, so drop, we use out usually for that. Out means <laughs> For Gypsy, I use thank you because I think that's cuter. Um, do you have a word for having the dog look at you or check in with you? Yes, I call it look. So I don't do watch me. This is what I see a lot with watch me is they take the hand up to the eyes, watch me, watch me, or right between the eyes, watch me, watch me, watch me. And they'll have a treat right there and it's constant. Watch me. It's one of those I want to strangle people. Um, so I don't like that. Uh, I like look. Look, and usually it's a double type, so they'll know look means look at me, and they know their name. If I just say their name, it means look at me, too. So I get to double Q sometimes and say, you know, Fido, look. Um, but if I just say Fido, usually I get their attention. If I say look, I get them to look at me. So it works out really good that way. And it's much better than watch me, watch me, watch me, watch me. Michelle says it's what come naturally to me, and I've been using it for the last 10 or more years. Yeah, I was using Leave It for a long time, too, and I switched it up, and I'm very happy I did. Um, sometimes I might catch myself, but I'm like, bad Vicky, don't do that. Uh, Reagan says, thank you. Thank you. I'll let you know how things go with Frank. Awesome. Um, they put a dunce cap on. Should the dog crate be out in the middle of the living room or is it better to tuck away to give him some privacy? So that's Paula's. Paula is, um, Pluto's owner. Pluto the staff, who we love. Um, for Pluto, you can play around with it and see, 
I think tucked away is going to help him to calm down a little bit more. Um, you know, I met your daughters. They are fantastic. I met you. You're fantastic. I haven't met your husband yet, but, um, I don't know how chaotic the household is, but right now with him being tucked away, like there's times that like he really wants to be in the middle of everything, but he's not. Um, so, you know, you can see how he is tucked away. You can move him out into the middle of the room and see how he does and then kind of play it by ear. And if he does super at one spot, say he does super in the middle of the room, even though I'm saying to tuck it away, then he can be in the middle of the room. Um, he is a very, what's the word? Not just spaz. Um, high energy, fun loving boy. Right. Um, and trying to get him to calm and to like focus and pay attention. He is one of the harder dogs that we've worked with um, for that. Now we've worked with a lot of, you know, aggressive dogs and shy, fearful dogs, but just his energy level and getting that focus just because when he, all he wants to do is dance, all we want to do is dance. That's him. Um, so Shane says, I hate watch me like you. It drives me nuts. Yeah. Right. Blake says, how do you overcome the obstacle of expecting your prospect to get and accomplish something your previously service dog did or picked up so quickly? And how do you know if you're possibly expecting too much? So for that, we do our index cards. We do our lists. So we know um, no two dogs are the same. Every time I get a puppy in, I'm like, oh my goodness, the puppy doesn't even know his name. He knows nothing. So we want to have it on there. I usually only work three commands at a time. And as he gets, and it's usually look, sit, and touch are the first three that we usually teach. I want look and touch to happen first. I don't want an automatic sit. I want an automatic look. So I don't always do a lot with sit, but some dogs need that sit to get their butt down. Uh, so, you know, we'll do those and we'll see how it goes. And as they're getting it, we move it over. Um, every dog is unique. Um, some dogs pick things up a lot faster than others. Uh, Gypsy being a golden retriever, retrievers like to have something in their mouth. So you'd think it'd be super easy to teach that oops and the retrieve and everything else, but it wasn't because there were times where she's like, I don't want something in my mouth that you put in my mouth. I want a toy. So we do toy work. And she was still like, ah. So there's some times that I'm like, you know what? I'm not going to work on, on that with you because you absolutely hate it. But until she was about a year old, she wasn't as reliable with uh, the carrying object in your mouth. One of the things we really wanted to do was go to Disney and have her bring Kylo Ren his lightsaber because we'd like to get pictures with Kylo Ren at studios. Wouldn't that be cute? Her walking in to get her picture with his lightsaber because his lightsaber is pretty unique. Um, so we brought it and she dropped it a couple times. And I'm like, Chipsy, we practiced this at home and you got it. And she was like, what? You know, but now she can probably do it. We need to go back there and do pictures. Um, but but you know, like I said, it did take some time to get that uh, so you can't get frustrated with them. It's, it's hard not to, but look at what they're doing good um, and what they're doing better than the other dog did. And most of the time, and I get this a lot, not just with service dogs, but with pet dogs too, is the dog, say their dog's older and it passes away, right? 10, 11, 12, 14, 16, and the dog passes away. Well, the dog was pretty much perfect at that point, right? Maybe get some incontinence at the end, but you know, pretty much perfect. And then you bring home this puppy who knows nothing, and you're like, oh my gosh, the dog knows nothing. And you have to start all over and it's a puppy with puppy energy. And you're like, why did I do this? And it happens all the time. And that's why people call us. So we know what, what to expect. Like I said, six months old, I want, they should be potty trained. By six months old, they, my dogs can pass this canine good citizen test. 
my personal dogs, client dogs. It depends on how much time they work with them. But by 10 or 11 months old, by, by a year old, they should be able to. You know, I kind of have high expectations for my dogs and I work them a lot. Paula says, we homeschool, we're always ho. <laughs> Paula, I love that you readily admit that he's a spaz. Because <laughs> I know some people would be like, I can't believe she called my dog a spaz. I'm like, have you bad on? <laughs> yes. Uh, okay. Another question. And I think this might be one of the last ones of the night. So if you guys have questions, we're wrapping up. Make sure you write them in there so I get to them. Okay. What's all included in your socialization checklist? What do you see as something that most owners leave out that crop up as a problem later on? That's a good one. So um, we have a bunch. Again, our How to Train Your Service Dog group on Facebook should have, if you do a search, for socialization um, checklist, what I did is I went online and I found a half a dozen or more of them and I combined them into one I like. So that's how ours came about. You know, we were kind of working on it and as we're writing our new book, proofing our new book, um, 60 Days to Your Dream Dog, which is going to combine dogmanship and freedom, the socialization checklist will be in there. Because right now we have a bunch of extra papers for puppies, a bunch of extra papers for e-collar stuff, a bunch of extra papers for service dog stuff. So the service dog stuff will stay separate, but I want the other ones, all the puppy stuff, all the e-collar stuff, all the leash work stuff, all in one book to make it easier for people. So yeah, we have a bunch on there, different textures. I want them walking on dirt and gravel and grass and sidewalks and all that stuff. Um, meeting all these different people, going to all these different places, all these sites, all these sounds. And what do you see as something most owners leave out that crop up as a problem later on? Oh gosh, that's a little more difficult one. I think the biggest thing that most owners don't do that they should is assume that the problem will go away as the dog gets older. And I see that a lot. Well, he'll calm down when he hits a year. Well, he'll calm down when he hits two years. Um, well, you know, he, he's not potty trained yet, but he'll grow out of that. Um, no, he doesn't, you know, we, you got to work it. So that's why I love our service dog program because we start them off as soon as you get, you know, we'll start them off at eight weeks old with this is what you should be doing at this age. You know, it, it works out really, really good. If it's something that, you know, service dog or pet dog wise, you know, we want to be proactive with things. We don't want to be reactive all the time to things. Oh, he's peeing all over the house. What do I do? Instead, set him up for success from the beginning. You know, this is what we're doing. This is your schedule. Um, another thing owners do is the dog whined in his crate, so I let him out of his crate. Um, he doesn't need to, to be in his crate. It's okay. No, it's not okay. He needs to be able to calm down and be in his crate. Um, Huffington's owners, um, they're like owner number six for him. He bounced around a lot with different rescue groups, and he was a nut in the crate. They came to pick him up today, and the son was here, and, uh, and he was, uh, he'd flown in from Oregon. He was just absolutely amazed that Huff was chilling out in the crate. And we sat and we talked for at least a half hour, 45 minutes before we even got Huff out of his crate. And he was just chill and calm the entire time. And it just blew their minds. And then Huff had a problem with other dogs. And so seeing ours, um, you know, I put them away and then I let Gypsy and Zoe out. And uh, we're running him through his stuff. And, and the girls are right there getting pets by, you know, mom and dad. And Huff was fine with it. So I think, like I said, I think a lot of it is people being reactive instead of proactive. If I had to pick just one thing that people do wrong, um, it's that. It's not having a plan because you don't have a plan. Like you've had how many dogs in your life? Even if you had a ton of dogs, your family had three dogs all the time growing up. You've had what, maybe nine dogs? 
I've worked with, I have that many living in my house right now, <laughs> you know? Um, so we, we have a lot more experience with that. We know what your dog needs when your dog needs it. Now, sometimes your dog can get sit first. Sometimes your dog can get down first. Okay, that's fine. Sometimes your dog gets, um, you know, place before he gets calm. Okay, that's fine. Uh, but, you know, we know what's needed. And by having the checklist that we do, by, by having the process that we do when we do it, by having everything that's on the online courses as a reference for you, it is much easier to go through and do it. Okay, to go through and say, okay, I don't know what to teach next. Let's pull up the online course and see. Well, for example, here's our service dog course. Lesson one, you guys all have access to lesson one for free, which is first things first, service dog basics. If you don't have it, go to dreamk9.com and enter in your email. Go to the service dog page or the um, dream dog or the puppy page, and then it'll say, you know, enter your email for pricing, enter your email, and you will get an email from us with the link to see that first module for free. The second one is must have equipment for your service dogs. We go through all that. Your training equipment options, marking behavior. That is such a key lesson. Like I should charge the entire amount of the course just for that lesson. Um, let's start training. Okay, so we talk about our index card system. Uh, how to charge a clicker, how to teach sit, focus, or look. Place, down, come when called, thresholds, heal, part one, which is find the heal, and part two, which is walk with me. Let's go and stay and wait. All right, service dog skills, touch target, um, tug, center, under, stand, pause up, rear pause up, pivots, leave it, off, finish, lick, um, sit on the dog leash, suit up, get closer, back up, take hold and deliver, retrieves, potty on leash and on command, which we talked about at the beginning of this episode, leash work, we talked about that, sit, place, down, come, focus, spin, advocate for your dog, come to place, wait and stay, let's go and heal. And then public access stuff. And then I have so much more that I need to work on and shoot videos for and get up. So, like, that's what we have just so far, guys. And the thing is, it's so much. But by having it broken down like that, it is so much easier to do it. Um, and you get little checklist things. You can and check off what it is that you've been working on. You know, it, it makes it so much more doable. Um, because you know, how do you eat an elephant? One bite at a time, right? How do you train up a service dog? One day at a time. And try to do it all on your own. I mean, service dog or pet dog, it's still very difficult to try to do it all on your own. By having a community that supports you, by having people who are like, this is what your dog needs. I mean, there might be more too. But, uh, but this is the basics of what your dog needs. It is so much easier. It is so much mentally relieving right? You're not worried. You're not a nervous, anxious wreck. Now that service dog online course is our thousand dollar course, right? That's when you get with the service dog program. That's not the dream dog course. That is our service dog course because this is about service dogs tonight. Oliver learned it from my Chihuahua and my Chihuahua learned it from my Akita mix. You know what? It's so funny because I do learn things from each other. Um, we have dogs who like, we had treadmills. They didn't want to go on the treadmills. So Arrow would get on the treadmill. He loved the treadmill and then they'd be like, oh, Okay, I can do that. Not a problem. And they'd get on it. Okay. Um, or place. Place is scary. It's going to eat me. Okay, look, I'll get my other dogs on it. See, I got them on it. Now you get on it. Oh, okay. It, it, it's good. It works out really good. Um, let's see. I think that is it for tonight, guys. So I want you to check out our How to Train Your Service Dog Facebook group. 
How to Train Your Service Dog podcast. If you haven't done that yet, our Tuesday night webinars on our Dream Dog Central Florida Dog Training page at 5.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And howtotrainyourservicedog.com. Our service dog training program is absolutely amazing. It comes with all of our online courses, including our Dream Dog course, our Service Dog course, our Focus Intensive, Essential Oils and Dogs, and for those of you with puppies, our Perfect Potty Training System for puppies or adult dogs who are having potty issues. And we go into it a lot more in depth than what we covered tonight with potty stuff. Uh, all of that, it's $997 or $97 a month for 12 months. And really, it what is that, less than $25 a week? You're not going to find a better deal for training your dog. It's fantastic, guys. Um, thank you. Happy Thanksgiving. Have a great week. Thank you, Shoshane. You guys, too. I want you guys to have a happy, happy Thanksgiving. Let me know what questions you have for next week. Um, and have a good Black Friday. Don't camp out overnight and kill people right? Um, don't go crazy at the stores, get online and do your online shopping. But no, have fun with it. Um, eat so much turkey that you need to take a nap afterwards. Do something super fun with your dog. Uh, you know, go outside, play football, play ball with your dog. You know, let your dog have fun. Let you have fun. Give your dog a little bite of turkey if you want to. Because, you know, it's their Thanksgiving too. And I think we're all pretty thankful that we've got our doggies. Okay. So happy Thanksgiving. Have a super fun week. And I will see you next Tuesday here.